Hello, and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 246. My name is John. Joining me as always is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello, Jonathan. Yeah, that's not my name, but thank you. And we are very excited to have Brandon and Maggie back with us. So uh, welcome, Brandon and Maggie. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Always great to be back. Yeah, we'd love to have you guys on. It's been a while. So, um, you know, uh, we were excited to uh, get you back to talk about The Mandalorian. And uh, so we're going to spend most of the episode today um, talking about the latest chapter of The Mandalorian, The Pirate, Chapter 21. Um, And uh, maybe talk a little bit about Star Wars Celebration, which you guys are going to be heading off to next week, right? Scary, scary stuff. Definitely not packed at all. It's fine. We're fine. It'll, It'll be all fine. be great. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start off by talking about the Mandalorian. So uh, maybe before we start talking about this episode, let's just check in with you guys and see how uh, you've been enjoying like season three so far. How's how have you been finding it? Have you been having a good time with uh, with Din Djarin and Bo Katan and Little Grogu oh, yeah. and Pirate King Gorian Shard? <laughs> I'm my best friend. I'm loving it. <laughs> Uh, always have fun watching Star Wars. Doesn't everybody? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, usually. <laughs> um, um, I am enjoying it. I'm not, I wasn't enjoying it as much as season one, too. But, like, I really, like, season one is perfect television, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Season two I really enjoyed. And so this, obviously, it's paced a little differently. And I think now we're getting to the real meat of it. Because in, like, today's episode, I'm so glad that, like, we picked today to talk. Because mm-hmm. now I'm just like... Mandalorian, the greatest show on TV. This is the best. Like, finally, it all kind of like came together this episode. I feel like, and so I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. But, um, but yeah, I've been having fun, which is all you can ask for. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we've, we've both been enjoying it. But Ryan, I think it's safe to say that um, you know our conversations about the Mandalorian so far have been kind of along those lines, right? Like chapter or season three. It's been a little bit. Um, up and not up and down, but I think like it hasn't been super consistent in like the tone and, you know, certain episodes kind of hit a little different than others. And it's just Mm -hmm. been, it's been a journey. I feel like this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, what like my thoughts on it kind of come down to what Brandon was saying about things coming together. Um, this episode, like this really did feel like just so many plot threads from, all three seasons kind of like, you know, connecting and, um, I don't know, just, uh, tying together. And I think that's, uh, that's a satisfying thing. Like I saw like one article being passed around on Twitter that was like, Mandalorian, this episode has lost the plot. And I was like, this is all (laughs) of the plots. This is the plot. This is every plot in this episode. How could it possibly be lost? Like, there's so much plot here. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I didn't see that article, but that sounds crazy to me. So mm-hmm. um, I bet. I mean, they have to be referring to I think the the Din Grogu relationship, which, to be fair, has mm. been a little. I haven't read that article, but I assume you know, like that has yeah, been kind of probably, not as yeah. prevalent in this um, this season. And so it is. You know, I enjoyed season one and season two of Pedro Pascal learning how to be a dad, right? And now it's like, mm-hmm. hey, he's he's learned how to be a dad. Now he's trying to like figure something else out. And Bo-Katan's kind of stepped up to almost be the main character of the season, which is interesting. And we'll talk mm-hmm. more about all of that. And, you know, I think, um, it's a different, it's an evolution of the show. And obviously people mm-hmm. that connected to certain things 
might not be connecting to new developments, but it is it is what it is. It's a, it's a TV show on Disney Plus, and everyone's mm. having a great time waking up to watch it. <laughs> and that's like Mass for, right? Who cares? Yeah, I think it's nice. I think that's, I mean, I feel like I should go without saying, but that we don't just want to watch season one again. Season one was great, and I think it's perfectly, like, fine and normal and ideal, even, for characters to evolve and build mm-hmm. and grow. And so um, I'm just along for the ride, enjoying it very much. Totally agree. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into um, talking about this episode specifically, uh, did you guys watch the other Pedro Pascal learning how to be a dad show um, we as did. well? Yes, we did. We did. Yeah. had a great time. What it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am a little hit or miss on, like, scary, gross things that jump out mm-hmm. at me shows, but I did get sucked in and we did watch the whole thing. Yeah. It's, I was really reluctant. I didn't I didn't want to watch it. I was like, no. I've seen enough zombie shows. I didn't play that video game. Like, you know, it's gonna like I already feel like the world's basically like gonna end any day now. Like I don't need to watch like, you know, <laughs> fiction about it or whatever. I just didn't want to mm-hmm. watch it. Mm-hmm. Um and then I got dragged into it and I loved it. So um, it's really been Pedro Pascal season uh, at my house because like my wife just changed her phone background to a picture of him and uh, she's been like, uh, yeah, like like uh, 20 minutes a day spent on Pedro Pascal TikTok. And, uh, yeah, I'm on yeah. that too. I mean, it's wow. mostly because I can't figure out how to change my For You page. It's that. And... I feel like it's rubbing off on you. I think that the lessons you've learned from Pedro Pascal across his various works have made you a better dog dad. Wow, look at that. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, cool. So let's uh, let's get into um, chapter twenty-one here, the pirate. I uh, have a bunch of notes, so I think I'll just kind of run through the different sections of the episode, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of break it down chronologically. Um, so yeah, the episode is called the pirate. It opens up with uh, pirate king Gorian Shard um, attacking, showing up on Navarro and uh, attacking. Uh, Navarro again. Um, I love this character, uh, Gorian Shard. I thought he was really fun in, I think it was chapter two, when mm-hmm. he and the, the pirate gang first showed up. Um, and uh, Ryan, I remember talking about it, and we were like, you know what, I think he'll be back. He'll probably be back. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited uh, to see him back, and I thought it was great that the first time we saw him today, he was in Empire Strikes Back, Palpatine, giant hologram, you know, that was like a new... A, a, a kind of a, a new flavor of Gorian Shard, I felt like. Yes, it gives it gives um, Hasbro another variant whenever they make the the Black Series figure, just to like keep mm-hmm. churning it out. Here's the hologram version. Here's the charred version. Yeah. You know, so two and a half years from now, we can get super pumped. For it. <laughs> oh my god! I, <laughs> we we can talk all about that. Where I'm like, I really want a Gorian Shard. I really want a um, Kellen Beck, right? But mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. will we get that in two years? Maybe. Like, it would just be nice to be like, "Hey, here's some mock-ups. You'll get it in six months, even." But yeah, so, I have a funny thing about Black Series stuff. I was out. I've been out yeah. for a really long time, and then I saw just randomly. It was like uh, I wasn't even looking for it, but it was like a just the algorithm on Amazon was like, hey, check out these Andor Black oh. Series figures. And then I pre-ordered all of them. There we go. Have they come in yet? Have those No. Because I pre-ordered the Indiana Jones ones. Mm. I, I was looking today. I was like, oh, I ordered those like 
August or something, like September of last year, and like they're like, yeah, I'll come in April, and I'm like, okay, that's a while, and I only ordered two just to like, you know. But. Yeah, I saw I saw somebody post a picture of one of those um, Indiana Jones figures. They're showing up at I think, Target. So. I want to say okay, um, yeah. Hmm. But again, Hasbro did me a favor because I really love the windows, right? And I love getting them autographed and stuff like that. And like, cause I don't really mm-hmm. take them out of the box that often, but now that there's, um, no window, windowless packaging, it's like, oh, okay. I don't, it's okay. Uh, I don't need it right now. So it's fine. I, uh, I, I grab a little bit of all the different lines. Like I don't have that many black series or, you know, vintage collection or whatever, but I, I get the ones that, uh, are appealing to me when, when I see them. And so, uh, I think my most recent Black Series figure is uh, is Omega Ooh, here, so Omega. I do love love uh, little Omega, Omega here. Yeah. yeah, so just thought. What I'd... were you saying earlier? We're trying to get our. Uh, it's talking about celebration. We're trying to get our capsules. Yeah, is always to... how I get it. Okay. <laughs> trying to get our Advil and stuff. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So Gorian Shard he attacks. Uh, they really uh, start hammering uh, Navarro. Uh, people have to go on the run and grief Karga. Um, you know, displays I think some admirable leadership and um, and and selflessness there. I, I wrote down his his line: "I won't abandon my people," and that's kind of his his reaction to uh, to Gorian Shard. They're like, it's. Um, he also kind of tells uh, Gorian that, like, hey, you know, the Repu- the New Republic's coming by here all the time, <laughs> and like. Gorian Shard basically does a spit take at him and is like, you're, mm-hmm. you're full of it. Like, there's no way they're, they're not coming out here. They can barely uh, deal with the mid rim. Like they're not out here on the outer rim. So um, he kind of calls his bluff on that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of like the first of many uh, references or comments about the state of the new Republic and um, you know, how good of a job they are doing or not doing of, bringing systems together and keeping people safe and stuff like that. So, um, I think grief, uh, is trying to keep Navarro independent. Like he doesn't want to join the new Republic, but you know, uh, at this point he's, he's, um, he needs them. He needs them or somebody. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Major like Twitter blue vibes, um, (laughs) in this episode of like, Hey, you're getting harassed? Well, uh, you know, we have our our members take priority. So <laughs> if you want to join, we could maybe do something about that. Yeah. But uh I love it. At the moment, <laughs> yeah, there's just well, there's they keep a calling um they kept calling him blue. What what they the Mandalorians kept calling yeah. him. And I was like trying to figure out like I guess he has a blue helmet that he wasn't wearing in that scene. Okay, I they made talking about. They were talking about Twitter Blue. Twitter Blue, yeah. Maybe. I made a note here. Um, they call him Carson Teva. They call him Blue and Blue Boy. And I'm like, well, he's wearing all orange. Um, right. I don't... Well, like, you know, uh, there were some pilots that were wearing blue in, that we can talk about, but not him. Yeah, oh. so yeah. I don't know. It's like Blue associated with the New Republic, I guess, or something. Maybe. I, 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 everything I saw today was orange, I feel like. The logo was orange. Blue. Like, everything was orange, right? His droid is green. Who is that that pilot, the New Republic pilot with the mustache that people went nuts for? An- Anton? 
maybe. Oh, Merrick. Oh, Anton Merrick. Uh, 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 from he Rogue was One. he was decked out in blue, right? Yeah, he was Blue Squadron. Because then Blue Squadron yeah. gets destroyed in Rogue One. That's why they don't exist in um, A New Hope. Oh, okay. Sad. Yeah, sad. R.I.P. Yeah. So I. Blue Squadron. Hmm. But yes, I don't. But so yeah. But then again. The little cameo in the bar that we can talk about. He is blue. He is blue squadron, it looks like. So Yeah. So I um, wonder if they were like bringing that back maybe. for the New Republic and that's I don't know. So the the bar is my is my uh next section here, of course. Uh going in chronological order. I have written down that it's a chill ass rebel base with space pool and that mm-hmm. it's is psychedelic like, music. Uh, that's how it starts. And I was like, Ooh, like that's yeah, what the, the closed captioning said. I love, oh, a, did it? I love okay. a Star Wars bar. I love a space <laughs> car. Uh, yeah, uh, it, the music reminded me of um, the the beach planet on Andor. Actually, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that kind of vibe. Oh yeah, I just started rewatching Andor today. Actually, oh, and I was nice. Like, it's a great show. Good, good times. Mm-hmm. It is a great show. Um, so yeah, so Carson Teva is there. He receives uh, grief's plea for help, and then um, I believe the cameo you're talking about is Garrus Eberelios, um, Brandon. Right? That's is that crazy. the cameo? Yes, yeah. what a crazy, crazy thing in the morning. Because I, I don't know about y'all, it showed up, and I was like, oh, it's just another Lasat. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, but there's not a lot. That's interesting. He still gasped really hard well, yeah, when, I, it, when, he, when he stepped into the frame. <laughs> then, it was, it, then it was the credits that say Steve Blum, Zeb. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, we did it. <laughs> okay, cool. Guys. Yeah. My brain, like, caught up with what was happening. Like, I, I was lagging behind because I think... <laughs> I heard the voice. I want to say I heard the voice. Like, I saw him. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, a close-up right away, right? It was, like, more of a, a full shot of him. And I was like, huh, okay, interesting. Like, what kind of uh, species is that, you know? And then I heard Steve Bloom's mm-hmm. voice. And I was like... And then, yeah, like, maybe two seconds later, I put all the pieces together mentally. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's Zeb. Like, no way. So, um, yeah. Definitely some he gasping happening over here. Yeah. He yeah, great. yeah. I'm a Ralph I'm a McCory huge Chewbacca. What's going on here? We got a Ralph McQuarrie C3PO earlier in this episode too. Mm. You know, it's just like it's so funny yeah. to see it in live action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I I love 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 Rebels. I'm a huge huge Rebels fan. I love Zeb. Um, and obviously, we know that we're going to be seeing some Rebels characters popping up on in live action soon. But I didn't expect <laughs> Zeb to be first. I know. And, it's uh, very, well, technically, I guess uh, Chopper was first, right? We got Chopper in in Rogue One very that's briefly, true. so we got him. We know what he looks like, which is just mm. how he looks like in the web series on StarWars.com. But yeah, I yeah. wonder if they'll change that. I really wonder because it's kind of cartoony, right? Like, you know, what I'm talking about like the stuff from Rebels Recon that looks a little cartoony in the. The chopper stuff? Yeah, like the little droid they built for Rebels Recon yeah. that then was mm-hmm. in the background of Rogue One yep. is slightly on the animated side of things. Right? Gotcha. Right, I wonder, right, right. I wonder if they'll adapt. But, I mean, not that I... It's not going to ruin my viewing yeah. experience. It's... Well, they brought him out on stage at Celebration last year. That's right. Yeah. So, I think he looked same? kind of I can't same. remember. I think he looked... Oh. About the same, yeah. I don't know. I blacked out. I can't. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell from the cheap seats. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't next to Harrison Ford. I couldn't see. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I was watching that one on a stream actually, but uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't. Because um, Chopper yeah, came out during in the. Wasn't that like a Dave Filoni and John Favreau what? panel or something? Oh, was, was it? that the one where they showed the Ahsoka teaser? Yeah, because we were yeah. at that. Right, we were at that. 
I don't know. I can't, I can't, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, been long, it's been a long year. It's hard to remember. It's been a long year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, what did you guys think about the um, the the kind of live action realization of of Zeb? Like, did it did it work for you, or what did you think? Oh, I thought it was great. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah. The, the CG. I was. You know, they get they could have done the mask. Obviously, like Cad Bane. And people didn't like Cad Bane. I thought Cad Bane looked fine. I thought it was fun. And then mm. that would have also been the same conversation on Twitter today if it was not. Because for a second I was like, oh, this is just like a Jedi Fallen Order um, cutscene, mm. right? Because isn't his master mm-hmm. um, yeah. Alassad yeah. or something? Alassad, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. it looked kind of like that. But it, he looked great. It was nice to see him. Good little boy. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he looked great too. I I, I loved it uh, seeing him, and I, I thought it was pretty seamless. Um, I think like if you didn't watch Rebels and you didn't know who Zeb was, it would not feel, you know, significant or out of place or whatever. It's just like another um, another alien. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're just saying yeah. about the aliens. All my friends. All your friends. <laughs> I said that lovingly, lovingly. Right. All the can I can I talk bars. a little? I have a little conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. About the bartender, the snaggletooth bartender, another one of my okay. best friends now, right? Mm. Yeah. Nice lady, right? Uh, nice to see her. Her wig, right? She has a nice mm. flowing head of hair. My theory is that it's Pelly's wig. Like, because Amy Sanders <laughs> is wearing the wig, right? At uh-huh. celebration in, in the Mando experience. Like, there was just a wig of hers. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the same wig. Like they just make multiple <laughs> and they just slapped on top of a snaggletooth the day of, which would be like, I'm not <laughs> saying awesome. that's a bad thing. I'm saying no. that is an incredible thing. I right. would make me so happy. If that was true. So I love that's that. My, that's my conspiracy theory for the day. Uh, uh, I love that. Now, did you guys catch, um, Deb Chow and mm. uh, I think was Rick Famuyiwa yeah, there, there too at the yeah. bar and, oh, uh, really? and Davey and, and Lil was Dave, Dave there? Oh yeah, his cowboy hat is is in the. He's wearing the cowboy hat. That was in a oh. gas. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch that part, but they're all yeah. there. Well, I didn't and any of them. If you if you if you if you rewatch it, it is really cool to see Dave Filoni in live action in the first shot of Zeb in live action. Right, that's so cool. Oh, like they're that the is same. Awesome. It's really nice. I'm like, that's a really good job, everyone. Like, what a nice, you know, moment. That, um, that is, so. yeah. That, that is poetic. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm just like, I'm on like super cameo watch now after the Dean Cundy, um, you know, appearance in, in a previous episode. As the ILM logo, like truly insane. I'm just searching like every corner, like, okay, which, yeah. which behind the scenes legend is like, you know, going to be, you know, well, hidden somewhere. Pilots so. all look like vaguely familiar, you know, where I'm like, this has to be like some camera person or, so, you know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, same here. I'm always like, do I know this person? Should I? Should I know this person? Right. Um, well, from Zeb, uh, Carson Teba um, pops on over to Tim Meadows's office, um, which was not a, <laughs> a, a, a a casting I was expecting. Um, but uh, yeah, he goes and and, and pleads for help um, by going to Coruscant and talking to uh, a colonel. I think is the the designation they gave him, but he's basically like, can we, can we do something? Can we help? Um, and, uh, the answer is not really, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, but, uh, what, what did you guys think of, um, of seeing Tim Meadows there? Like, did that work for you? Or was it a little bit like, why is Saturday night live in my Mandalorian this morning? I mean, I, 
it's very I've had these conversations a few times where it's very interesting because I think John Favreau is just like a huge comedy fan, right? And so mm-hmm. even you think about first season, right? We have Horatio Sands, you have Brian Pazane, you have um who else? Amy Sedaris and David Piscesi, and you have like all these mm-hmm. and um Stephen Root in Book of Boba Fett, right? And um like you just like they keep using for these bit players just like 2000s comedy legends, which I think is great, and I think it's a lot of fun. It was very funny seeing him in his little haircut and his little Crix Medine uniform. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting choice uh, from John. Uh, it gives me more people to put on my list to ask to come on Talking Me 94, so I always appreciate it, right? It's always an excuse. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I just love office scenes. It, like... It's like Star Wars. It's just like us. The, the carpeting and like the panels and yeah. the leather swivel chairs. And you just like feel your soul getting sucked by corporate bullshittery mm-hmm. that's happening. Yeah. And it just feels very, um, it just makes it feel very relevant to one's personal life. Are you saying something about your job, Maggie? No, you? I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> but I have worked in corporate offices before. I currently work from home. Uh, and this is bringing me back to a place that I don't want to go anymore. Gotcha. So you at home, you don't have like a droid coming in with like tray after tray of bureaucratic busy work. That's like just, you know, filling up your desks and your shelves. And because that was, I would love a a droid. I I said, I said no to a a droid at our wedding reception to serve drinks, Uh, but maybe uh, I could have a droid that would like truly, truly the only thing I regret from our wedding. Because I pitched it and it got it got turned down. And it's a free <laughs> anyone that's listening, free idea mm. is R two D two in the Return of the Jedi sail barge mm. tray, right? Mm-hmm. Wheeling around during cocktail hour, giving people hors d'oeuvres or drinks. Incredible, right? Yeah, it, incredible. And I feel like it would be really great at a like a vowel renewal. You know, mm, if if, if a couple were to renew mm, their yeah. vows eventually, that's a great then, idea. you know, it's that could be a good. Table. It's not off. The table. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like we didn't have some Star Wars presents. Yeah, at, I, a at our event, just a little bit. It was nice and classy. Everyone enjoyed it because yes. we had at the end we had lightsabers as our instead of like rice or whatever. Yeah. we had. We hmm. we walked out to the throne room. Uh, and song, and everyone had lightsabers, so it was nice. Which is a lot more Star Wars than a lot of weddings have. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Much more than mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, the the obviously, I guess the, the big thing in that scene, besides the fact that it shows that the New Republic is not, you know, completely functioning the way we might like it to, um, is... Uh, a all that bureaucratic busy work like that was um, it was good to see that thread kind of continue to be mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know pulled through the episodes because it was the same stuff that they're delivering to um, what's our guy's name uh, the scientist oh Pershing Pershing Penn. yeah P- yes Penn Pershing Ryan, Pen- Ryan knows Pen- his first Pen- name is Penn he, he likes Pen- the- Penjerman <laughs> 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 yeah but like they kept bringing him those like trays full of those slides mm-hmm. or whatever, and it's like the same stuff like overflowing. So you know, I think that like in that episode, those just really represented like the wastefulness or like the fact that his their resources and their talents are not being used necessarily in the way that they should be. And you know, obviously, we I think we see that same idea in this scene as well. So, mm-hmm. so um, 
talking about just um the way the new republic is being like portrayed um this season um which has been like really really interesting to me starting with um you know uh dr pershing's episode um i am wondering and this may exist in some media that i have not um consumed but when does the new republic move from coruscant to hosnian prime when does that happen i want to say that there is something in the bylaws this i could be pulling this out of my ass that they changed the capital every few years so that all of the systems were like happy with it so i even want to say like maybe chandrilla was one for a second maybe even between hosnian prime and coruscant again i could be just Hmm. pulling it out of my ass that also yep, for would sure. be very inefficient. An inefficient use of time <laughs> and resources hauling all those little floppy yeah. disks. Yeah, that's true. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. Like they, I can't remember if it was in like the Force Awakens novelization or maybe it was in Bloodline, Bloodline or not Bloodline. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, Blood, Aftermath. Bloodline. Or yeah, Bloodline. Um, yeah. Or Bloodline. Yeah. yeah, all those. But anyway, like yeah, I definitely remember that was that was the the idea is that it rotates um, so that everybody's, I guess, more equally represented or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I think like it's making me rethink um, some stuff in the sequel tr- trilogy now um, because like you know a big theme um, in the sequel tr- trilogy is like you know there were problems with the Jedi Order and it needed to be like you know, reevaluated and rebuilt. Um, you know, we see that, you know, in the show, there's issues with, like, um, the Mandalorian culture, and that needed to be, you know, rebuilt. And, you know, I wonder if that is, like, a theme that they're kind of weaving in, is that, like, the, the, the notion of a republic, a galactic republic, is um, also flawed, and that's something that needs to be like kind of reevaluated and rebuilt as well. Um, and you know, they kind of just like, you know, they blew up Hosnian Prime in Force Awakens, and then that was kind of like the end of the New Republic. And mm-hmm. I don't know, somehow some governing has happened, you know, through the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it's just a galactic anarchy. But they like kind of just like. They're like, yeah, all the government's gone. Um, we're just going to leave it at that. Um, and uh, so I do wonder if, like, maybe a part of the post, um, whatever these, like, new films are, um, you know, post Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars, if that is something that will be addressed in those. Because, um, I don't know, I think, like, there's always been this you know, things since the prequels, like, you you can't have, you know, you can't have politics in Star Wars, like, you know, it, multiple meanings of that loaded term. Um, but you like, you know, you, you can't have trade disputes, they're going to be boring for people and stuff. And then like, I don't know, like, we, we watch this stuff. And I think people are pretty on board for like, Star Wars bureaucracy and messes and all of that stuff, like, I think, I don't know, like, I'm personally, like, pretty into it, and I do wonder if that will be, like, a component of Star Wars that they won't be so afraid to uh, 
kind of dive into um, going forward. I hope so. I, I, I mean, obviously, Android was very successful, and that was very mm-hmm. much, you know, what you're talking about. And sometimes when Star Wars doesn't go boom, boom, pew, pew, it's fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's nice to have mm-hmm. a mix. It's great. I mean, even Bad Batch is, like, yeah. tackling that stuff, and it is, like, a cartoon. And there's, like, Senate stuff happening constantly. Yeah, the, the, actually, the Senate, like, arc in this most recent season of Bad Batch, I think, was probably my favorite like that whole with the the clone stuff I, I really enjoyed, which you can read an article on StarWars.com where I detail exactly what <laughs> what Ooh. I liked about it. Um, nice. So John will link to that in the show notes. There you I go. will do that. Absolutely. Um, get those views. Get those clicks for StarWars.com. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think too, like uh, it's just, it, I, I think that this season of The Mandalorian sort of has a, a focus on you know, the idea of like what kind of allegiances we should have and loyalty we should have to like dogma and, uh, and, and belief structures and stuff like that. And so this, and I really saw it happening in this episode, it's lining up with like what's going on with the armor and Bo-Katan and Din and the Mandalorians, you know, like, do we just kind of follow like what the guidelines are? Do we, you know, this is our system. So we stick to it. Um, or, you know, do or can we be a little more nimble? Can we be a little more fluid in terms of like how we react to things and how we think about the the belief system and rules and things like that? So, uh, you know, I think that's part of why the New Republic is being like as a entity or a an institution is being presented the way it is this season because it does line up, I think, with what they want to do with Mandalorian like mm-hmm. culture or uh, the organization, the government of that. Um, but then also, you know, Carson Teva is out there banging that drum, right? Like in multiple seasons of the Mandalorian. And I think in the book of Boba Fett too, if he, if he showed up in there, uh, but like, yeah. maybe not, I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, but I, I, I just don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, rewatched that recently and I was like, I don't remember this, but I know when, when I see Carson Teva, he is banging the drum of like, yeah. there's something going on out there and the new Republic is mm-hmm. not doing enough about it, you know? Um, so you know, that that's part of it as well. Right. Um, and yeah, uh, is it Elia Kane? Is that the character's name? Um, who, yeah, from mm-hmm. the pen Pershing episode, mm-hmm. uh, she's back. Um, she's sneaky, but, uh, mm-hmm. Carson Teva, he is not having it. He is onto her. He's like the only one, but he like calls her out mm-hmm. immediately. I was wondering if he like had seen her or knew who she was, he must have, right? I guess. Well, there was the shot of the the like badge on her mm-hmm. chest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so maybe that's like a, a an indicator that she's in the um, amnesty program. Program, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he was immediately like, "Get that imperial stuff out of here!" Like, I know what you're trying to do. Um, but Tim Meadows is he's fine with it. He's like, he's, he's like, buying it, fine. hook, line, and mm-hmm. sinker. Yeah. Yeah, but she has a great line in this moment, and I think um, the obviously like the light is a term that's used in Star Wars all the time to mean goodness and hope and whatever, right? But I, I noticed uh, on second viewing that that word is used, I think, pretty purposefully in multiple lines in this episode, and this is the first one. Um, she tells Carson Teva, "It often takes a new perspective to see the light." Um, so. 
that was her mm-hmm. her statement back to him like well you know like i yes i i worked for the empire but now i have a new perspective and i i have a better outlook on things uh which is clearly not true but you know i thought well that's a description of bo-katan at this point um and potentially din and other characters too so yeah um okay from there Carson Teva travels to the Mandalorian covert. And I think we, we had our last scene on the beach. Uh, you know, there's a cave and a very small beach and that's where <laughs> all the children of the watch live up until now. But, uh, Carson Teva rolls in, they call him blue and blue boy, as we talked about. Um, and he goes to tell Din like, Hey, your buddy grief is in trouble. Like, you're not going to just let him sit there, right? You're going to do something about it. Um, and also kind of makes, makes the argument that there's something big happening and that's why he feels like they need to get to the bottom of what's going on with these pirates and what's going on with, um, you know, the empire growing and, and whatnot. So, uh, it sounds like the, well, no, we know by the end of the episode, the Mandalorians are done with that location, but they were going to have to leave anyways because they're trying to stay in hiding. Um, and Carson Teva came and screwed it all up. Um, from there, Din has to petition the Mandalorians, uh, the children of the watch, I guess he has to petition them to, uh, to help him, uh, go to Navarro and, uh, and save grief Karga. And, um, he, you know, kind of wisely says like, look, you know, if we do that, um, we could find a home there on Navarro. So that's kind of his pitch and, uh, his, his method of selling it. Uh, and it works, um, fireside, um, persuasion there from mm-hmm. <laughs> from Din Djarin. Um so yeah and then we get the uh the baby face turn from uh Paz Vizla in mm-hmm. that moment as well. So um any thoughts on that that scene from you I guys? I loved it. I you loved it? A, yeah, I think there's a lot of you know I love the pivot where he like you think he's going to be like we shouldn't do mm. it and then he's like poor Mandalorians. <laughs> it's like ah yeah. Like waking me up like finally perking up on this Wednesday morning. I'm not a morning person. And so I usually start waking up like 75% the way through the episode. So maybe that's why I like that part hit me hard. I was like, finally, you know, uh, my brain was starting to work, but I think there's a lot of fair criticism of the Mandalorians as a cult, but I think it's nice to know that in the end, they're like, we're a cult that helps people. And Mm -hmm. I won't tie that in to real world applications, but I did like, uh, I like the heart that it brought to the group and the fact that they collectively then chose to like be defenders of people again. I yeah. mean, I do think it's interesting to bring that up because if you think about the last time we saw Paz Vizla fighting or whatever, you know, like in the first season, like they did defend Din with the foundling with pretty much no questions asked, right? I love that yep. part too. And so it's very interesting going from that to then Book of Boba Fett seeing Paz. And there's some things I don't understand, and I'd love to go back a little bit, but the first is in Book of Boba Fett, it's just the armor and Paz, right? And on the plane, mm-hmm. they're hanging out. And then now there's like a bunch, and I'm like, were they just like on like an off-site retreat? You know what I mean? Like, did they, which could be the case, but I don't know. I don't. It's weird to go from like two to a bunch that all are mm-hmm. cult members. But yeah, because I feel like the suggestion there, like even I f- want to say they like stated it is like, hey, we helped you out, and now like this is it. Like we're all that's left. I could have sworn yeah. that's what they said. 
um, in and Book of Boba Fett. I do have my second conspiracy theory of the episode. Yeah? This one's a little bit not as fun. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Carson Teva Blue Boy scene. Uh-huh. The only thing that I'm like, st- I, again, I'm not a big plot hole guy. doesn't mess with me. But like the R5-D4 being like the person with the coordinates, I was like, I understand. I get it. But also like you're telling me R5-D4 went off Tatooine, came back to Tatooine, mm-hmm. then was a coward. Right? I didn't want to like go into the ship. Right. That's all. I, we can talk about that. It doesn't matter. It's stupid. It's mm-hmm. ever writing. It's whatever. Right. <laughs> but here's my conspiracy theory, which is I'm pretty sure instead of Carson Teva, it was supposed to be Cara Dune. And it would have been much made much more sense for Cara Dune mm. to have Din's location or to reach out to Din, and that would have been a much easier. Oh yeah, you know. And mm-hmm. so that because like she could have escaped from Navarro, right? She was like, it, and she would have come and told him all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that's I think that they were just trying to figure out like how do we get Carson Teva to this planet without knowing who Din is? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's what they yeah. got to, and it's fine. But um, you know, if you consider all of that, then not bad. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Either that, do you want R five D four being I'm, a secret I'm, spy? I'm appeased. I'm, I'm going to accept <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. And be like, wait, wait to work with what you got, guys. Uh, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. I get so I. This is like one of many reasons I shouldn't have a Star Wars podcast. Uh, which is that's if if Mandalorian season three has a theme, I feel like. That's our theme this season. Like, I don't know if we should be talking about this, uh, Ryan, because like I, I'm always like fumbling the details. But mm. you know, I was like thinking, like, wait, didn't Zeb like? When does he go back to Lasan? And I thought yeah. that was like his thing. Like, isn't he supposed to be? And now, mm. but maybe that's after this. But why would he be? That can't be after this though, because why would he be hanging out at a bar with like a rebel flight jacket on if it was like pre the end of Rebels? You know what I'm saying? Vacation. Vacation? Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder if the timeline for the Rebels epilogue will make a lot more sense pretty soon, right? Once we get the Ahsoka show and we've seen, obviously, the painting in live action, we've seen that moment in live Mm -hmm. action in the trailer. So it's going to happen. We're going to see it, and I guess we'll probably know where that's going to be placed. And maybe he's come back. Maybe he's done. Maybe he's done with his honeymoon with Callus, right? Maybe he's he's back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole, that, this whole scene is, it's something that, like, kind of happens, that's been, like, happening kind of consistently in Mandalorian, where there's, like, peril, and, like, people about to die, and then we, people just, like, go to different planets and stuff, and, like, hang out for a while, and, you know, talk to some people and stuff, when, like, there's literally, like, guns shooting down at people, and then it's like, hey, like, we're gonna, like, go on a bunch of different trips here. Um, and it's, because this is kind of, like, it's similar to what we were talking about last week when the, um, when the kid gets kidnapped by the dragon, and then they're like, all right, we're going to like come back and talk about it and we'll go tomorrow and it'll be fine. Like we'll, we'll rescue, we'll rescue him because there's like this contrived reason why he's like not in danger. And that's like kind of how I felt like, cause it was really intense when there were like, like these giant blasters, like blowing up people's homes and people like flying and like catching on fire and like, all of this stuff, like, being, like, murdered in the streets, and then it's like, 
All right, we're just we're just gonna go fly around and talk to some people for a while. Like it's just a it's just a weird vibe. There's there's like this sudden like stop in urgency after like a really intense sequence, and it's kind of throwing me off. And I guess like they do like they're like, hey, um, you know, we grief cargo took all the people to the desert. Like it's fine, but. I don't know, that wasn't, like, the vibe I was getting from, like, the previous scene where, like, people were being, like, shot and blown up. Like, I don't know. I feel like I could feel the volume in some of those scenes. Like, <laughs> Grief Karg is like, okay, like, I, we're gonna stay safe by walking out into this giant open area, like, <laughs> 10 feet from the gate to, like, Navarro mm-hmm. City or whatever. But, like, once we're standing out here, like, totally in the open you know um with no real uh protection like then then we're good um i did think but, they were gonna go into the lava cave right because like it would be hot but it would be underneath you'd be underneath it you know what i mean you'd be inside yeah the cave. yeah but again i i'm not a tactician i'm not a high magistrate <laughs> i have no idea so i trust him right on yeah that's they, that's a, they actually, stayed alive so it yeah. must have been the right call but it's true it's true yeah. and ryan you know the point you were making about people kind of like taking their time even in in moments of urgency or whatever um mm-hmm. you along with many other people have you know frequently suggested that the mandalorian is kind of plotted like a video game you know mm-hmm. with all these missions and stuff you're going on and like come on that's the most video game thing ever you know like oh yeah oh my god get to the castle before ganon destroys hyrule okay we'll do i just have to go do like 45 shrines first, you know, over the course of 25 hours of gameplay. And then I'll get to the got to do some cooking you know. and, yeah. you know, yeah. these side There's fishing mini games. And, and yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So listen, in the real world, you got to eat. You got to stop for gas. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Except char- if you're the Mandalorian, charge your phone. then he doesn't have a place to go to the restroom anymore. He doesn't have a place to eat. anymore. <laughs> so I don't know. They're going to have to address that at some point. I just want them to be like, hey, everyone, I know that we're on an important mission. I do just want to address this group of Mandalorians, let you know that when I'm in my ship, I am able to use the restroom, and here is exactly how. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a be, tube. Uh, yeah, I have a tube, mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. and Grogu is there. Grogu is sitting on my lap. Uh, Which is concerning. <laughs> do they have a seatbelt? Just taking, like... Statistically, in a Star Wars mm. battle, so many ships end up blown up. They're not mm. usually to our central characters, so we know that that Dennis he's not going to die just in a miscellaneous battle as followers yeah. of the TV show. But statistically, mm. I feel like that's something that one would have to consider in bringing their like surrogate child into battle with them. That's concerning parenting to me. Mm-hmm. No, I'm completely with you because there was like a shot of Grogu watching like the simulation of the battle, and it was like, okay, the N1 is going to pull all the other fighters away and act as a, a decoy or whatever, a distraction. And like Grogu's watching that whole thing, and then like two minutes later, you know, it's actually happening, and he's in Din's lap. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, if you're Pedro Pascal, like it is Pedro Pascal learning to be a dad season right now, you know, and where did all the other foundlings stay? Go. Right. Why right. Why is totally? Yeah. Um, I think the answer is because he's very cute, and we want to see him on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's true. It was a very Grogu light episode. Um, yeah. So that's how to get his little like squeaks in. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, real quick before we move on to uh, the next section of the episode, um, Paz Vizsla has a line here 
or it, maybe no, Din Din has a line here where he says, "Perhaps it's time for us to live in the light again." And uh, I just thought, you know, again like that. That's kind of like a. a a re- recurring motif here in this episode of referring to the light and sort of like the, the, the real path that these different characters should be going down, um, being referred to that way. So, um, I, I noted that. And then also Bo-Katan, um, gets involved and she says, Navarro is an independent planet and that's what makes it appealing. And that was another, you know, kind of moment where I was thinking like, okay, well, we've got this storyline with the Mandalorians and them looking for some independence and, you know, potentially a new way of kind of, you know, following the way or whatever. And then you've got the new Republic, which is like this new system of government and this new, you know, kind of way of doing things that's supposed to work for everybody. But, you know, you've got grief Karga and others saying like, we want to stay independent. You know, we don't necessarily want to get like involved in that bureaucracy and institution, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. Um, those parallel stories, I think, are being kind of serviced in the cave there in that scene. So, um, yeah, and then we cut to some hot pirate action for uh, kind of the rest of the episode here. Um, Man, I was, like, cheering. I was pumping my fist. I was smiling ear to ear. I was loving Gorian Shard and all this pirate stuff. I was really, really, really loving the Ugnat pirate that had oh like gosh. the bandana and With the, the mustache mm, and the striped Vincent sweater. Ugnat, crazy! <laughs> I love him. He was fantastic. Or, or, yeah, I think it's it's like his Smee. You know, it's like Captain Hook's Smee, but that's mm-hmm. Ugnat, and I loved it. Yeah, and the same with the I, warthog guy, the warthog uh, uh, steersman or whatever. That's he's great. There's so much that I love about this important context being that I am, am, was, was heavily still, part of me is, a very big fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They came out during very formative years for me. Mm-hmm. And the simil- the way that this ship steers like a boat, I think <laughs> it just, like, the, the way that, like, it, it's so, the way it moves so slow and that it, like, kind of, like, tilts like a boat would in the wave and the fact that, like, unlike all of the other ships, it has, like, a wheel that you steer steer with and even like the curvature mm-hmm. at the front mimics it and the language yeah. that they use is so piratey and it's he looks so silly i love it <laughs> i love everything about it yeah no totally and even the, the cannons like the the row of cannons on each mm-hmm. side of the ship it's you know great. what i mean it's totally yeah i it reminds me of, i don't know did y'all watch firefly it kind of reminds me of the firefly yeah, and some of the mm-hmm. shots but then yeah. when you see it head on, you're like, oh, it's not. But from the profile, from the silhouette, it does. Which is not, again, it's a beautiful ship. And uh, I'm sad to see it destroyed. I'm, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, no. What if you mm-hmm. came back? What, what if we had a whole show about these pirates? Yeah, pirates I for of, real. Pirates of the Carillion. Pirate. You know. <laughs> That's Ooh. I for real lost my mind, though, when he put his when Gorian Shard took over control of the ship and he put his hands on the wheel and he started turning it like a pirate wheel, like Maggie, mm-hmm. I... I lost it. So I was Davy like, Jones. It's so Davy Jones yeah. with his silly yeah. like strings. Yeah. And I just tentacles. I just love <laughs> I just love that this show is like willing to be that goofy and uh mm-hmm. you know, like that I mean it has of course like very serious moments and there's some pretty deep storytelling happening and and I think it's uh yeah, there's there's a lot going on, but I, I love the fact that sometimes it's just like we are going to put some rubber masks and you know, mm-hmm. eye patches and pirate sweaters on <laughs> some dudes, That's and so it, it'll be like ridiculous. And I, I love it. 
Yeah, I I think it's cool when um, how Star Wars can continue to just like genre hop. Like I think you know there was like um like maybe like a mindset for a while. Like okay, it can be it can be samurai or it can be cowboys. Like right. those or you know That's or Buck, Buck Rogers. Like you those those are the flavors of Star Wars. But I think you know stuff like Andor is like, well, it can also be like the Americans. Um, and like, this is, um, you know, why not pirates? Like uh, why, why not space pirates? Why, not? why like, not pirates? Like, yeah. And I think for me, like I, you know, I, my formative pirate experiences, cause I was like kind of obsessed with pirates. Um, when I was younger, um, like it was, it was Hook, um, which Rufy. I love. Oh, yeah, sorry, so good. Yeah. Um, great band too. Um, but uh, then also uh, Donkey Kong Country Two on <laughs> the Super <laughs> Nintendo has like a major pirate theme, and you know I I really I really was into pirates as a kid, and then like you know didn't really uh, didn't haven't really thought about pirates um, much. Um, until our flag means death, and then mm. I got back into pirates. Um, mm. What was that? A year, two years ago, mm-hmm. whenever that show yeah. happened. Um, and now, like, we have pirates in Star Wars, and now I'm kind of into this idea of Taika's Star Wars movie just being like pirate vibes. I, I'm I'm in. I'm, that's the most excited I've been about Taika's movie since it was announced. So <laughs> I'll take it, man. I'll I'll take it. As you said, why not pirates? Why not yeah. pirates? Yeah, a yeah. question we should all be asking more. <laughs> more pirates um, in Star Wars. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there were more Anzellans in Star Wars in this episode, yeah, which. I got a kick out of them. I didn't think they were quite as uh, show stealing as they were in the previous episode. They showed mm-hmm. up and um, they really captured my heart there. But I was still happy to see them. I thought the uh, monkey lizards were great in this one. You yeah, know? like I was like, oh my god, the monkey lizards! Like we've always we've only seen them vilified, really. You know, uh, Salacious Crumb gave them a, a bad name, but mm-hmm. they were totally like they're over there. They went that way, like you know. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan, you were talking about how Star Wars can be like genre hopping, and and uh, I, I think you're totally right about that. I know you're excited as, as am I about skeleton crew, maybe doing the stranger things thing, uh, later this year, Ryan. Um, he's not, he hates stranger things, but, um, I also think that star Wars was kind of doing like a horror movie thing here for a minute when the armorer was like walking in with that hammer. Yeah. Like pretty good. the, the shots, like the visual language there was all saying like, this is a, like, murderer you know what i mean this is a this is a scary monster and she's got this hammer mm-hmm. and she it was like for star wars standards it was fairly brutal yeah. yeah my mind immediately went to i don't know if um we have any cannibal corpse fans in the house here um okay so uh th- there's a song hammer smashed face uh mm. by cannibal corpse it appears in the film ace ventura pet detective <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> they, they are playing it live, which apparently is because the rumor has it that Jim Carrey, actually a huge death metal fan, so he uh, made that happen to get them in the movie. 
But um, yeah. What I kind of that. stroke did he have at that point, though? I feel like he didn't have any stroke uh, at the time that he. That's like his breakout movie, right? Like it was. You you knew you knew that dude was a star. Like okay. that's why they cast him there. Like all right. Yeah, I mean. Okay. But yeah, he uh, he petitioned for that. Um, is the is the rumor? Um, but yeah, that was immediately like what came to mind. But that's you know same thing as you were saying. That's like a very like. They're a very like horror movie band, um, yeah. But I I absolutely love that scene. It was so brutal. It was brutal, and uh, you know, kind of like I mean, I think the last few episodes have been, you know, if we're questioning the armor, um, they've definitely kind of been earning points for her with the audience. Um, but that was pretty sweet to see her show up and take care of business like that. So I thought that was great. Um, then we have to talk about the low point of this episode, which is the fact that Corey and Shard, um, you know, chooses to kind of go on a kamikaze mission there. Go and, uh, yeah, it was well, such yeah. a high high with him grabbing that steering wheel, you know, that pirate ship, he's you know, ship wheel. I don't, you don't think, think he's, he's dead? dead. I think he comes back. I don't, or unless I, maybe I just really want him to be I just alive. I really don't want him to be dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I guess, because what's his name flies off what's the other what's the yeah i don't know his name but he's and i was gonna say like we were talking about rubber masks earlier and obviously there's some that are just kind of like they slap them on they run away but his Mm -hmm. articulation in that mask is so good and so like his his facial expression is so good that actor who's in there is like maybe one of the best like alien actors we've had in star wars Mm -hmm. uh, in a long time just because he's able to do so much with his eyes and with his mouth and um Big fan, so hopefully he comes back at least. But I would love maybe Gorian Shard's like brother comes back for revenge and so he can <laughs> another. Mm. But yeah, 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 yeah. Or hey, you could always do the Gorian Shard spinoff show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a uh, cool. Rangers of the New it. Republic is not happening, so why not? You know, yeah. Gorian Shard that's, and the Pirates. That's of... Taika's movie. I think no. I think <laughs> Gorian Shard is dead. Like he he has to go down with the ship. Yeah. That has to be his story. Yeah. Like it I was has really to be. I was when it was going yeah. down. I was like, oh, he can escape, and then like, there's another yeah. explosion. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> like no, he's dead. But what about? There's so little we know about him. What about his villain's journey? I know. Like, give me the book. There ha- the, like, the if prequel. there is one space pirate ship, there have to be more. Mm, that's out true. There, right, mm-hmm. and so maybe, maybe this is just the the sparking point for us diving deeper into space pirate culture. Hmm. Or yeah. perhaps there's a purpose for both The Mandalorian Season 3 and Bad Batch Season 2, simultaneously exploring the origins of this cloning stuff with the Empire, and, you know, could that have been a clone of Gorian Shard Maybe, that went down with point. the ship today? It's, it's, I mean, that's um, possible. In the th- original Thrawn trilogy, it was... L- Spilled with two right? Gs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or two A. I was thinking, like, Gorian Shard. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. It'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It would have been a vowel yeah. that was repeated. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That is definitely um, the question we need to be asking during every Star Wars death moving forward. Was that a clone? Was that a clone? <laughs> I think that will enhance our experiences yeah. so much. 
much and it'll make everything so much more meaningful (laughs) uh yeah all right so as we get towards the end of the episode here um grief does um give a motivational speech uh and and very grateful to the mandalorians for helping save the day Mm -hmm. and uh they have a new home on um on navarro and he tells them Oh, uh, I, I don't know. Your home is gone, but you have a home here or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, he's given them an attractive land. Um, Brandon, I, did I see you point out earlier today that, uh, that part of that land is named after Jeremy, Jeremy Bullock? Bullock? Yeah. Bullock mm-hmm. Canyon. Yeah. Nice little, nice little nod mm-hmm. to the original Mandalorian in mm-hmm. a way that like, honestly, like that sounds like a Star Warsy name, right? It sounds like yeah. Bears oh. Canyon. sounds like whatever, right? You're like, oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So that was a nice, I always try to find like, I'm not going to pose like Zeb is great today. I was trying to find like one thing that like if someone reads that, it's not going to like ruin their Mandalorian experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, that's, yeah, that's a good one to like. You know, no one cares. Like that's not going to. I care. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So then uh, we have our final scene, pretty much with the armorer wanting to mm-hmm. talk to Bo-Katan. Like kind of ominous, you know. Paz Vizsla comes up and is like, the armorer wants to wishes to see you or wishes to speak to you. And I was like, damn, where's this going? Um, Ryan, you, you have a, an emotive expression over there. (laughs) It was legit tense. Like I, I don't know. Like I think after kind of a, I don't, I don't want to say like fluffy episode, but you know, it wasn't, you know, the, the flavor of Star Wars that we get in like the, the Pershing episode or like something like Andor where you're like, wow, this is like really tense. Um, but then like suddenly this scene was, and the part where she's like, take off your helmet. Like that was just, it was like awkward. Like I, like I felt awkward, like watching it. And I don't know. It was just like, it was really effective um and then you're i don't know it just it felt like anything could happen there like is this going to be an armor heel turn is this going to be a bo-katan heel turn like what's you know what's going to happen and then i think like what actually did happen was more interesting than either of those things i was thinking could happen i did think and i'm sure they're leading up to it my 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 theory for a while has been it will end with the children with the watch taking off their helmets, right? Like as a, and like, and still following the way, but like mm-hmm. they can take off the helmets. I did really think, and we're watching it on the separate screen while we're talking just, and the way mm-hmm. that it's shot when they both come out of the cave together and they're walking among the Mandalorians, everyone's looking at Bo like, Oh my God, what's going on? Why is she not wearing a helmet? The way that it's shot is you don't see the armor for a very long time until the very end, and I thought the armor was also going to have her helmet off. Ooh. Yeah, just the I way I was wondering about that up. too. And that will happen mm-hmm. eventually. And again, here's my. You want to hear my third conspiracy theory for the day? Mm-hmm. Here's my third mm-hmm. one, which mm-hmm. is in the first season, maybe even in Book of Boba Fett, Paz Vizsla was voiced by John Favreau, right? He does not sound like John Favreau right now, and maybe I'm just crazy. But no, it it's me, it's yeah. It makes me think that he's going to take off his helmet, and it's not it's not going to be John Favreau. Obviously, it's going to be whoever's <laughs> voicing him. It's the it's this. I don't know the actor Tate, th- that Tate Fletcher is from the first. Yeah. Scene. Okay, that's he's the guy that 
Ma- Mando beats up in the first scene of Mandalorian. He has like a big oh. beard. Is Tate Fletcher? Yeah, and he's been. In a oh, bunch and he's of, the he's one who plays other characters as well. Um, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's doing the voice now, right? I that's so I'm that's sure. what I assume because he's still credited yeah. as the body. He's been the body. He's been doing all the stuff. And I could see them just like, let's just change it. Let, no one's going to notice except crazy people. Let's just change it so it's not yeah. John. Mm. It does make my action figure look incorrect, right? My John Favreau action figure where he's, his helmet oh. is off. That's but, true. Yeah. Yeah. Not canon anymore. I know. It's um, like, why did I spend the $50 on the... <laughs> I don't know. Okay. That's nice. I don't feel like, <laughs> my, my Dave Filoni... Get my, some value out of it. I know. You can't um, even see it. I know it's 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 tucked away. Yeah, I have my my Dave. Is that a Gorian shard action figure behind you? No, I it's wish. Man oh yeah, thing. I wish. But yeah, Isn't see, it? it's it's John, right? As uh-huh. as Paz. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now Very that nice. it's not, it's a waste of money. Why did I do that? Mm. It's because I buy anything yeah. that has a behind the scenes person on it. No, this mm. is <laughs> um, Mondo made this. It's a man thing. Who actually? That's funny you say it's Gorian shard because. Like well, oh here it is. Um, there's a bunch of different colorways we did. I like this one because it was just so green. There was a lot more that mm-hmm. were detailed. Mm-hmm. But the person who played Man-Thing in Werewolf by Night, Carrie Jones, also mm. played Chrysanthemum in Book of Boba Fett, and also is credited as Gorian Shard in Mandalorian. So really? you were correct. You were correct that this oh, is technically wow. he has a, type. a Gorian Shard action figure. Wow. Yes, big fan wow. of Carrie Jones. Um, he's coming to Austin soon. I can't wait to meet him because um, he's also like the predator. Like he's a he's a he's a good yeah. guy. He's a big guy. Man, didn't they? Didn't James Gunn just announce a Swamp Thing uh, movie yes. as well? And just announced well, Swamp, again. All my I all my guys have all my Swamp Thing collected issues up there. All my guys nice. coming the, coming in. I just like big green, gross dudes. <laughs> I guess <laughs> is my thing. Um, Alan Moore run. Oh my god! Again, yeah, that's my, one of the greatest comic runs so of all good. time. Yeah. So good. So good, yeah. Just reread that a couple of years ago. Amazing. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, like the conclusion of this episode um, mm-hmm. is really focused on like sort of two ways, right? There's two ways. There's two paths to walk. Um, mm-hmm. And so the the armor starts this conversation by saying, "Huh, look at this forge. Like this is a simple forge. And I've been to the forge on Mandalore, and it was a really ornate forge." forge but they both serve the same purpose you know and then so she says all that and then she tells Bo-Katan take your helmet off and of course Bo-Katan's like whoa I don't know like I thought I was mm-hmm. bought in and doing the thing right I'm gonna do the thing and not take my helmet off um but uh you know the armor is like do you trust me and she does so she takes the helmet off um and and pretty much tells Bo-Katan first look um we all together have to walk the way all Mandalorians have to walk the way and I'm watching this the first time, and truth be told, I'm watching it again the second time, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what is this, like, what does it mean for her to say, we all, everybody, all Mandalorians have to walk the path together, we all have to follow the way, take your helmet off, because it's like, you know, it's a little cognitive dissonance there, right, it's confusing, it's like, well, you're saying everybody's got to do the thing, but you're telling her not to do the thing, um, but, you know, again, like, it was preceded by saying, hey, one path or one forge, another forge, the outcome is the same, right? And so I, th- I think, I don't tell me if you guys agree or if I'm missing something here, but I, I feel like the last few minutes of this episode is the armor sort of saying like, there's more than one way 
mm-hmm. to follow the way, you know, or like I have to accept that. And she even says to Bo-Katan, um, it was said that, you know, see, seeing the mythosaur, it would be the beginning of a new age. Like that's the signal or this, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the signal that it's a, it's a new age. So I think she's really looking at Bo-Katan and thinking, the mythosaur appeared to you or you're the one who saw it and you know, you've kind of walked both paths. And so mm-hmm. you can be the one to kind of bring everybody home and unite all the Mandalorians. But is it fair to think that the armor has like come to peace with the idea that it's okay for, you know, different clans or different factions of the Mandalorians to have a different perspective, but we can still all be, you know, Mandalorians together. I'm inclined to think maybe it's just the real world um the ties to the real world with like some of the the metaphors with like the religious organization yeah. is um mm-hmm. that she might just be like we got to get them in and then and then we'll make them do it our way but we got to uh-huh. we we got to like <laughs> it's okay if we like bend the rules and make it seem like it's going to be cooler or less of a shift than it is to get them in the door and then we can bring them back to the one true church. <laughs> I mean, that's that's logical. I can I can see where you're coming from because like this episode didn't really give me those vibes, but she could easily turn it around on Bo-Katan down the road, right? And be like, you guys all saw her strutting around with her helmet off. You know what I mean? Like she's <laughs> oh, never been like like remember that time she was standing there in broad daylight with that helmet off, you know? Um but I, I, I don't really feel like that's... Mm. This episode, anyways, was not mm, making me feel like that's what, you know, they're trying to say, but I could see it. She just doesn't give me warm fuzzies, like open-minded yeah. welcoming in any of her interactions with any of the characters so far. So, like, and even, like, her coming out and, like, we saw her vicious side already mm-hmm. and the fact that she has done such a turn from, you know... We're, been episodes since she was like helmets on all the time mm-hmm. to her realizing there's an opportunity like there's a little bit of a mastermind there yeah not fully trustworthy sure i, th- I think it's i think it's a bit of both like i think she's i th- i think like the armor has like grown a bit in and like has you know gotten some new perspectives um in this season um but I also think that she does see Din and Bo-Katan as a means to an end. Um, and, you know, she's gotten new information about Mandalore. Like, because previously she, like, legitimately thought it was like the air was poison and it was <laughs> unlivable. And then she's like, wait, okay, so you can, like, breathe there and maybe there's, like an underwater dinosaur there that sounds awesome i think we should i think we should go back um good real estate yeah like breathable air (laughs) underwater dinosaur yeah just there's like a few little uh you know barbarian weirdos in the in the crack in the crevasses but uh those can easily be dealt with like we've got a dark saber all good yeah yeah, I mean, I think, like, with three episodes remaining this season, I I feel like they're 
working towards being united because there's going to be a common threat in Moff Gideon and the Empire, and like that's going to be a threat to them. And so it's at least with only three episodes left, like I would think they're going to come together at least for the time being. But then, you know, down the road, the the next scene. (laughs) You're right, and I was just going to say, actually, Ryan, I'd love it if you would talk about this next scene because I've watched it twice and both times. (laughs) I got done and I was like, what it seems to be on the surface can't be what it is, right? So like, what am I missing? Like, I basically don't feel like I'm smart enough to like remember all the things from before to know what this is supposed to mean. Because it feels like what it means is like the Mandalorians broke Moff Gideon out of that prison. But I'm like, it has to be a swerve, right? Or is it not a swerve? What's going on there? I don't think so. I think think it's a swerve? No, I think like what we're dealing well i mean it's a swerve in the sense like we thought like the conflict was going to be between the children of the watch and the night owls or whatever um Mm. and then like you know din's kind of caught in the middle like i i think that's what we thought the mandalorian conflict was but we had not like seen that there were other Mandalorian, we hadn't really like thought about like the other Mandalorians, the off-screen Mandalorians, and like what they're up to um, this whole time. And um, there, like, I can't think of like a rationale for any Mandalorians to break out Moff Gideon, except like it's just like compelling like stuff yeah um i don't know if anyone else has thoughts about that but i do think that there are these like there's other mandalorians and they're doing like real weird stuff out there so there there are two options in my mind one is koska reeves and axe woves right who are just running around and being Mm. being dum-dums right but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who is the mandalorian that we know is going to be coming up it's already been cast. That's ready to go. We got another member of her crew in this episode. I think it's Sabine. I think Sabine Whoa, conspiracy. heard that Moff, Moff Gideon. What? Here's my third conspiracy for the day. Okay. But it's Sabine. Fourth. fourth that four. It's Sabine mm-hmm. that she knew that Moff Gideon knows where Thrawn is, and so they're breaking him out for information. And that's Whoa. how Sabine's introduced. Actually, that's my conspiracy I love theory it. number four. I love it. That's I love real it. good. Would yeah. she have like Beskar stuff though? Yeah, right. Her armor is Beskar, right? What is, is it? she wearing? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, her, I thought yeah. she got that like hot topic. Like, no, yeah, all the, I, she is. She is it. That's probably Beskar. But that's my only. No, I, she, I was like, oh, it has to mm. be Sabine. She for sure has Beskar. She's got like the chest plate or whatever, and she's got the pauldrons and stuff. I like. I don't think she has like the full complement or whatever, but she's got some Beskar, right? Mm. But why, why, like, why is Beskar all of a sudden like, like, um, I don't know, DNA left behind at a crime scene? You know, like, how how do you like also, just end up with like a little shard in, of it was Beskar? Like, I was like, am I supposed to know <laughs> this? Am I supposed to be able to tell that's Beskar? I really couldn't tell, but I trust yeah. them. Yeah. Whole scene yeah, yeah. played like a horror, like that. I got horror vibes from it. Like usually mm-hmm. when it's like, oh, here's like uh, a wholesome character that you've come to trust is like a well-meaning person coming up up on what Mm. seems to be like a busted abandoned thing you don't usually like you usually get out of that like something jumps out at you or gets you from behind what I thought it was going to be 
and again, just talking about here's my second Legends bring up for the day. But I thought, you know, the 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 Death Trooper, the Red Harvest books about the zombie stormtroopers. I <laughs> yeah. truly, for a moment, I was like, oh, oh shit, Carson Tow is about to get eaten by zombie stormtroopers. And I was very pumped. That was <laughs> oh, just best car yeah. on the walls. I'm like, damn it, like no, kill him. But it's okay. Glad he's alive. Um, hey, if one of those um, zombie stormtroopers bit Gorian Shard like right before he died, would he still be like alive as like a zombie or something? He'd be like zombie Davy Jones. King. Yeah, yeah that'd, be great. that'd be good. That'd be great. Um, Call up Lucasfilm. Get them to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ryan and I have joked frequently in the past about how the derelict space station is sort of a like a a go to format for an episode for Star Wars animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's quite a few like, oh well, there's an abandoned and they do usually have like a horror kind of vibe or whatever. And mm-hmm. I always love those episodes. I think they're really fun. But um yeah, it was cool to see like a little two minute segment here that was like a live action version of that. So um and when Zeb showed up earlier in the episode, I was thinking to myself like is this just like a little teaser? Like, um, are they, is this meant to be like just a, a warming up the band for another mm-hmm. Rebels appearance in the next episode or in the season finale? Because obviously we know we're getting like the whole Rebels crew in, in Ahsoka later this year. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, big part of me thinks that they're going to sort of plant the seeds for that mm-hmm. show within season three of Mandalorian. Right. And so sure. I was like, hmm, you know, Zeb is cool, but like, it doesn't have the same level of impact in terms of like, you know, just the plot and the storyline and all that as, uh, mm-hmm. as it, as it would if, it, you know, as one of those other characters would. So yeah. I love that. Um, I think I'm committed to that now. I think I take, feel take, like that, it, that. So you're only that taking one of my four conspiracy theories. That's what I'm hearing. That's, you saved the strongest one for last. You did save the strongest for last. Actually, no, the, Car- the Cara Dune one is actually. Oh, I thought you were like, about to say the, no. The wig one, almost, like, I, I know that's certain, the strongest one, um, and uh, <laughs> is absolutely a blessing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I it makes me forgive the kind of contrived nature of the I R five yeah. droid. Um, if if that's the case, I will I will accept it, and you know, I'll buy a black series figure of it, <laughs> like just. <laughs> Just to show my support. There we go. Yeah. But. All right, cool. Um, any other burning thoughts on uh, this episode of The Mandalorian, guys? I did. My 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 theory for the season is is busted. My my bracket is busted. I'm I'm out now because I mm. was convinced that Bo-Katan was going to like leverage her position in the Mandalorians and like manipulate them into using. It's like helping her get onto her throne and into the position that she she's still good. To be. I think, but, but the fact, like I, I thought that she was in there. I thought that she was just biding her time. I think I thought that she saw the little the monster. She realized that she was in, and that's why she was writing it out because she realized she had information on them, and she could. They were like, she's like the religious cult. I have a piece of information that's sacred to them, and I can use it to like guide them. And so I really got I got real flipped because now yeah. It's not that it's yeah, I was impossible, con- but I thought that she was gonna like subvert all of them when really like the armor is was the first one. She broached the subject, so she welcomed yeah. welcomed it. Mm-hmm. I was convinced that Bo Katan was gonna be like the villain in this season and that it was her and That's Din were gonna the be trailers like, sold. Really in opposition to one another, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh 
it hasn't been that at all. So, no. but you never know. You never know what never kind know. of uh, conflict can can occur down the road. So we'll see. Um, hey, uh, so we're gonna wrap up here soon. But um, can we take a few minutes? Do you guys have time to chat a little bit about your? Upcoming trip to Star Wars Celebration. I think we can carve out a couple couple minutes to talk about London. Probably Fifteen minutes, talk maybe, about talk about Celebration. Yeah. Just a few days. It'll help us. I got, I got about five, and then I have to I have to jump. We'll but. talk. Oh, fast. okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, tell us about your about your mm-hmm. your your celebration plans. What are, we're flying. What are you looking forward Sunday? to? What are you excited yeah, for? Yeah, we're flying out this Sunday. We're, we're gonna full ha- two weeks. Hang out in London for a second. Nice. Gonna go see Back to the Future the musical. Can't wait. And mm-hmm. then. And then, yeah, celebration. We're kind of running and gunning. Got some passes to some of the big panels. We have a Talk May 94 panel on Easter Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Which our mothers are very concerned. He is as risen. To why. He is risen. <laughs> that would be celebrated, uh, scheduled on Easter. Um, yeah. Still, still finalizing a guest. So if you hear of any, you know, Harrison Ford appearances or something, let me know and I'll, I'll reach mm. out. Otherwise, it's mm-hmm. going to be me. Otherwise, it's going to be Maggie in a, a live Don't Let Me Buy This, which could be fun. Um, and yeah, we're just gonna kind of and we're going to run around. Um, ABBA World Voyage. Uh, yeah, which is an, an, an industrial light and magic. Just how I convinced him yeah. to go. It's I like also the, wanted to go to Mamma Mia the party and Mamma Mia on West End, and I only got one of three ABBA of the same songs events. Correct. Yeah. So that'll be fun, okay. and then we're going to Oxford for a few days and doing a bunch of Lord of the Rings stuff. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an nice. action packed couple weeks. Um, but also Narnia. Also Narnia, but yeah, you know, mostly mostly J.R. Tolkien. Um, mm. And yeah, then we'll be back and we'll be ready to talk about it all. But uh, we're excited to see friends and um, and just kind of run around. So I, you, I, it's, oh, I was just gonna say you're not gonna pop over to Octo while you're on that I'm side of the pond. I would love to. I would love to. Uh-huh. There is part of me that's like, oh, like, like we're we're staying at the Canary. Actually, I shouldn't um, dox us, but we're staying near the Canary Wharf um, tube station, which I think is where they filmed part of Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. and I'm like, that's mm. cool. And I, there's mm-hmm. other ones, and you know, I, I obviously London. I'm not familiar with the geography of it all, so I'm not gonna be like, oh, we'll just like pop over to Pinewood. So Brandon can take a photo <laughs> in front of the sign. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. Everything's close. We'll figure it out. I've only been to London once. It was only for a few days. Um, But I was lucky that when I was there, Hayden Christensen was performing um, in a play called This Is Our Youth. So, um, and it was like a few months before Attack of the Clones came out. So, wow, that's crazy. That's really cool. it was really cool. It was him and Jake Gyllenhaal and Anna Paquin. So, it was a it was a pretty cool cast. And early two thousands, all in a all in a play. Exactly. Um, But I rogue. Uh, yeah, but I found um, I found London to be so easy to get around. Like the tube was like so mm, easy yeah. to get from one place mm, to the, the other. Only so issue, and I, again, it, I'm sure it'll be fun and you know blah blah blah. But them scheduling it over Easter weekend is so weird because the tube is going to be shut down for two of the days. Like oh the, no way! This like we we got a great hotel that's on the tube route. It could take us ten minutes and a dollar to get to the convention center, and they're like, "Yeah, FYI, like Saturday and Sunday, the tube will be closed for Easter, for maintenance." I'm wow. like, "Oh well." Also, why why is Easter weekend when we're doing maintenance on the tube? Yeah, I have anyway. a lot of questions. So that's yeah. your, that's they'll figure it out. But we'll get some steps in. 
We find the app's not working, go. our badges aren't working. It'll all be fine. How about <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's always the story, though, right? Um, it's always complicated that way. Um, is there like one thing you're most excited to see or do or hear about or yeah. learn at Star Wars Celebration? I am pretty, I'm jonesing for Ahsoka and anything. I, I think they can just show us a bunch now. You know, like, I really, because I think the last celebration, I think they were kind of ready to show people a bunch of stuff. And they, you know, and I think now they can yeah. show a ton of, like, they can show a ton of stuff. So I bet we see the first live action Thrawn. I bet that's the big, the big tease coming out of it, which would be, I, I remember you were talking about watching the stream earlier, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I remember watching this, the last celebration Europe stream was when they announced Thrawn and Rebels. And I was sitting on. My, I, just, I remember. I remember the room I'm in and the couch I'm on. And they're like, "And here's Thrawn." I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and so it'll be very cool to see that again. Um, like, because they're gonna have. He's got to be a British actor, right? I. I, Thrawn. I people are like, "Oh, it's Lars, right? It's the voice actor from, from Rebels." And I'm like, maybe, but it could be someone really cool. It could be. Pierce Haven't Brosnan they been telling us? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> that'd be crazy. That'd be so funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Maggie, anything you're most excited for or anything you're hoping to see in to particular? Like, see people. Obviously, yeah. like the content and everything is fun, but that this will be my second celebration, and that's what I was most surprised mm-hmm. by last time was just how fun it was to connect with so many people, some of whom we knew over the internet, and so it'll be good to see some some familiar faces and, and meet new people we'll miss all of our faces that aren't able to cross the pond with us but yeah 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 well you guys are gonna have a great time i'm super excited for you um i am very hyped to go to the next celebration apparently in 2025 so it'll be good um, it's a good break for our wallets and everything it's just like okay let's just take we it could here. go on a vacation that's not, that's not Star Wars. Wars. A non-Star Wars, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I hear Tunisia is really nice. So I keep, I keep. Like now a... that ISIS isn't controlling the Lars homestead, it's time to go. Because that was the, <laughs> the, that was truly, truly the reason I have not been is because ISIS was under control of that area for like five years, ten years. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're back, yeah. baby. There you go, <laughs> USA, right USA. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right, Ryan's got to go. Ryan, um, yeah, do your yeah. thing, Ryan. I think you yeah. can. You can close it. So, uh, do you okay. want to like? No, just tell people? Uh, good to see you all. Yeah, great to see you. Yes, yes, you too. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. All right, cool. So, uh, thanks very much for watching and listening. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. Until then, you can find all the shows we do, uh, blog posts, etc., at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. You can reach out to the show, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can jump into our new Discord. Links nice. will be in the show notes. Yeah, we're having a great time there. So I uh, would love to see um, everybody out there join our Discord where we're having good Star Wars conversations every day. Um, Brandon and Maggie, thank you so, so much for joining us again tonight. We love having you guys on the show. And uh, do you want to share kind of what you've got going on and where people can find you uh, both? Yeah. Um, you can find Talking Bay 94 um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, and we're on Twitter mostly where I, I should post. And um, got a couple cool episodes coming up. Um, obviously, Celebration Live show is going to be a big one. It's our 150th episode, so it'll be fun. You, you, you earlier we you say 246. I was like, oh geez, okay, I have 100 more to go to catch up with y'all. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, uh, a couple Star Wars insiders coming up. Uh, the John Knoll piece was just, part one of John Knoll uh, was just released, which is crazy. Uh, the Ewoks roundtable was released, and then next issue we'll have part two of John Knoll. And something else, um, maybe, that was announced. Um, and then a couple pieces in the celebration guide as well. Um, uh, oh, nice. The editor posted about it today, so I can say it out loud, that I have a couple pieces in the celebration program that were really fun to put together. One that was like kind of a bucket list person to talk to. So, um, yeah. And then Maggie, what about, what about you? You can find me <laughs> on Twitter, talking Bay 94, but talking Bay with an E B A E. That is where, uh, you can find my tweets, which are always very insightful and very frequent and very serious. <laughs> um, also anywhere that you see a by Brandon Winardy byline, just know that I edited it. Um, I, I checked it for typos, and it was probably between 1 and 2 in the morning. Beautiful. That's it's a team works. effort. Yeah. Can't do it without her. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, again, thank you guys so much for um, being on the show tonight, and um, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast. All right. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye.